0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker! Big Hasta la vista, baby! Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are starting our uh, Know Your Foe session of the offseason here, where we will have guests on tonight, starting with James Rapine. Uh, Then we will have uh, a Baltimore guest and a Pittsburgh guest as well, obviously, to talk about the AFC North and give you a good feel for, you know, where these other teams are, where their expectations are, what their position-by-position analysis looks like. So I think this can be really good to... uh, to truly have a feel for when the Browns play these teams, what kind of moves they them in the offseason, what their expectations are, where their head coaches sit, all of those things. Draft classes, big players, that's the goal. We're going to try to uh, uh, get to the to the bottom of where the rest of the teams are in this division. And as I said earlier, we'll start with James Rapine. He covers the Bengals and the NFL for SI Now, and he hosts the Locked On Bengals podcast. So check that out as well if you're into knowing about what the teams and the rest of the division are doing now. Let's go ahead and get to the interview with James and learn about the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals. All right, James, pumped to have you, man. I I don't think there are many better voices. Well, first of all, we miss you in Cleveland. Let me get that out of the way. (laughs) But there are a few better voices in in Cincinnati. Thanks for joining me, man.
1: Of course, Jake. And no, I miss Cleveland. I love Cleveland. I try to tell... Cincinnatians all over, and I did the same when I was in Cleveland about Cincinnati. I I think both cities are great, so I'll get up to Cleveland. Certainly, when the Bengals play the Browns, uh, even though it'll be late in the season and cold, I'll be up there for that uh, road game at First Energy for sure.
0: I kind of like them late in the season. They've been early before, but I like them late. Do you? Sometimes I actually like last year because September in
1: Cleveland's great, and and so you're talking week two um thursday night football i enjoyed that but yeah i I don't mind uh going up there in the winter either you know or being up there in the winter it's not honestly cleveland winter isn't as bad i live downtown so i got used to the lake and uh and and, you know the the wind specifically so no it, it it doesn't bother me and it won't bother me much to be back up there and what was it it's december end of december i believe
0: it is, it looks like they're pushing a lot of these division games later, which, you know, to me it makes plenty of sense because they just better, more compelling stuff later in the season. So, sure. um, let's talk about the Bengals, man. They're, they're, they're under year three now of Zach Taylor, 2-14 two in, in 2019, 2020. There's no denying they got better. They're, they're 4-11-1. They got better. I don't know that the record shows it, but they got better in my opinion. Gave the Browns two really, really good games. Um... I just kind of like what, let me start with this, as you know, you covered Hugh Jackson in Cleveland, and I'm not sitting here saying Zach Taylor's Hugh Jackson, but you know how it is. It can be when people don't have faith, you can find a way to win. Just little things like that. I know there was buzz around Zach Taylor's job. Would he keep it? Would he not? I mean, two and fourteen, four and eleven and one. You take more steps this year, and there's going to be patience. Uh, I wouldn't think there's a better owner to show patience than than uh than what goes on down in Cincinnati. So kind of where is Zach Taylor in your eyes? Is this a make or break season? No
1: doubt. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you win six games and you go six twenty-five and one over two seasons, you're right, it's Hugh Jackson territory. And I think the big difference, and I get it, a lot of your audience doesn't like Hugh Jackson, but the big difference is, is Hugh Jackson during that one and thirty-one stretch. Didn't have the franchise quarterback. Well, the past couple of years, Zach Taylor has had Andy Dalton, who, say what you want, is still pretty established in the league and a borderline starter at this stage of his career, but a few years ago was certainly still capable of being a starter. And then Joe Burrow and uh, for at least 10 games. So I, I think it is, and I-, I think that there are a lot of one-score games that he's lost that he should have won. Some of them are on him. Some of it's on the roster. Well, guess what? The past two offseasons, the Bengals have spent a ton in free agency. So I I think he's very much on the – I don't want to say hot seat yet Mm -hmm. because the Bengals kept him for a reason. And I could see this being his last season in Cincinnati. But there's a reason they went out and spent money and tried to to readjust this roster because they believe Zach Taylor – can still get it done. And Joe Burrow certainly believes in him. So uh, they have a lot to prove this year. And I think that starts with the head coach.
0: Does he, uh, did he make any big time coaching decisions around him changes? He did Um, started with Jim, Jim
1: Turner. He got rid of uh, the offensive line coach that, that get this, they could have parted with after the 2019 season and would have probably had a good shot, if not a great shot to get Bill Callahan, who obviously worked wonders in Cleveland. Brian Callahan, Bill's son, is the Bengals' offensive coordinator. The Bengals went after Bill uh, after they hired Zach Taylor prior to the 2019 season when they were trying to get that coaching staff together, and Washington didn't let him go out of his contract. And so the, the decision to keep Jim Turner after a year, which was questionable then, I think from the moment the Bengals hired him, excuse me, from the moment the Bengals hired him, it was an issue, uh, you know, where people looked at it like, oh, really, Jim Turner, based on a bunch of stuff, not just him as a coach, but him as a person, and his coaching stunk, and I talked to multiple players that didn't believe him on that, believe in him on that offensive line, and had an issue with him, And, and so you bring in a guy like Frank Pollock, who... Is not only a former player, but I've talked to former coaches that that coached him, and then now ones that have worked with him, and they expect the the technique to go up. But that is one of the bigger what ifs in Bengals history. If after the 2019 season they say nope, this isn't going to work with Jim Turner, and instead they uh, they stick with him when they could have probably gotten Bill Callahan and uh, Zach Taylor's loyalty. So that's one. And then they also brought in Marion Hobby to coach the defensive line, which uh, y- you know we'll see. Um, if he can be an upgrade there, I don't really think, uh, Nick Easton, I, I don't, I don't think he had a, you know, major hand in the Bengals struggles defensively last year. They just had a ton of injuries, uh, in the trenches along the defensive line. And that was part of it. I didn't really hear of anything bad about Nick Easton. Again, it was more so, so kind of the opposite of, uh, of Jim Turner, where it, it didn't take much, um, you know, much di- much digging, I guess, to get some bad stuff on him. And, and with Easton, it was not the case at all. So it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, we'll see how it goes. But other than that, no, same coordinators are in town, uh, but they did change a few of the position groups. And obviously, uh, two uh, important ones in Nick Easton on the, the defensive line, now Marion Hobby, and then Jim Turner out with um, with Frank Pollock as the offensive line coach.
0: Well, well, let's talk about the offensive line first. We'll just kind of go offense to defense. And, and uh, the, the offensive line is, you, know, you you only see sort of national headlines. And the big discussion leading up to the draft, you know, is the Pene Sewell or Jamar Chase or whatever they were going to do there. And they elected to do what a lot of teams did, uh, which is we'll kind of pass on the O-line early for a, a playmaker. Maybe the, if you look at the Falcons did the same thing. If you could say the Steelers did the same thing, took a running back. It's um, the, the I would say the Dolphins. Jalen Waddle did the same thing. They they passed O line early, went for a playmaker, so it wasn't crazy. But the question becomes: Do they have enough? Do they have enough to be better? And uh, you know, we all know what Joe Burrow is coming back from. Let's start mm-hmm. with the tackles, kind of generally speaking. And you can always correct me if I'm wrong. Is Jonah Williams probably on one side? Riley Reif maybe your right side guy. Is that who's the the the? the, the I know Jackson Carmen played tackle. It. At Clemson but it doesn't seem like he's going to be an outside guy more an inside guy right
1: correct at least this this rookie year they uh, have high hopes for Jackson Carmen they think he could eventually play tackle but you're right Jonah Williams on one side and I I think Jonah played relatively well last year only played in 10 games but that was virtually his his rookie season and he never had injury issues at all at Alabama and now the past two years in his first two years in the NFL has injury issues so the Bengals hoping for a healthy year from him and then Riley Reef, they bring him in from Minnesota, a former Pro Bowler, certainly not playing at that level now, but it had a really good year last year for Minnesota. And it is certainly an upgrade from what they had in Bobby Hart, who uh, struggled uh, specifically against the Browns at times last year. So I, I do think that in the tackle department, first string tackles, they're uh, average or a little bit above average, e- even though the. The perception might not say so, which probably played a role, Jake, in their decision to go with Jamar Chase, because if they had drafted Penny Sewell fifth overall and some are going to call this crazy, but I have it on pretty good authority that he would have been the starting right guard potentially barring, you know, an injury. I think they felt pretty comfortable with Williams at left tackle and Riley Reef at right tackle.
0: Well that yeah, I mean they're gonna have their hands full in this division and and you know, Joe's gotta find faith in those guys. Talk about the interior. I think they picked up Quentin Spain and then Mike Jordan, Trey Hopkins come back, right?
1: Yep. And in the key additions um are really Jackson Carmen, a guy who they feel like can be the starting right guard day one. And and that's where he's been lining up in, in rookie minicamp and OTA. So we'll see there. And then Michael Jordan, a guy who uh, struggled a lot last year. I don't expect him to really be in the mix for a starting job unless he just has a great uh great not only mini camp, which is next week, uh, but but then training camp. He's gonna have to really show Frank Pollock and company that he's capable of taking a step forward. And he's one of the guys I feel sorry for because he was the guy that got bull rushed on the play that Burrow got injured. And the problem with it is, is Michael Jordan came in, he's a, you know, a mid-round pick from Ohio State, 21 years old, probably shouldn't have been playing right away, and he's playing as a rookie. And then he's playing as a uh, a second-year player, and it's under Jim Turner, a guy who, yeah, he believed in him, but I don't think was teaching him the necessary things to to develop him properly. And so now, it's kind of a, you want to talk about make-or-break seasons, Michael Jordan's got a lot to prove, just to, I think, make this roster, because there are other guys like you mentioned, that uh, on the interior that I think are going to get some run. Quentin Spain certainly going to battle for a starting spot. He joined the team last year midway through the year and ended up playing both guard spots and right tackle for a game, which is just kind of crazy to think about because he's certainly not a tackle. But the Bengals, they got desperate at times last year due to injuries. And then Xavier Suafilo, another guy that, because of injury, didn't get to play much last year but could end up being the the starting left guard. So I would look for those two veterans – which are much better than from an experience standpoint and just their level of play from what we know, better than starting with a guy like Michael Jordan, you know, a guy like Alex Redmond, who made a handful of starts for the Bengals last year. He's gone. He's, he's in New England fighting for a roster spot there. So the Bengals' interior should certainly be better. And the, the biggest question mark, I think, isn't necessarily the guard spots. I mean, certainly Jackson Carmen's going to have to answer the bell as a rookie, but it's at center. Can Trey Hopkins who suffered a torn ACL in week 17 against the Ravens which just stinks they were getting blown out at Paul Brown Stadium the season's over and their starting center and arguably their best offensive lineman certainly their their most durable offensive lineman uh, over the past few years goes down with an injury and uh, a torn ACL so he's working his way back he's uh, been in attendance for oTA so we 'll see there if not a former Ohio State Buckeye Billy Price could end up being the starting center for the first few games, but that is trey hopkins 's job long term so I-, I like the interior overall the potential of it, but depth is a question mark uh, uncertainty with Jackson Carmen will he be ready to to not only play in the NFL but make the position change from tackle to guard? Where it is tough, you have to make a lot more quick decisions, and you have guys on both sides of you. It's a, a little different, so it's certainly something that I, I think the Bengals are grateful that they're going to have a preseason, three preseason games to get these guys out there and get them uh, going and hopefully turning in the right direction.
0: I would have bet a lot of money on Billy Price being pretty good. It's been it's been pretty surprising he hasn't figured it out. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate oh, yeah. too because of where they took him and all of that, and it sets you back. It's hard, and and I hope I hope Billy does figure it out though. That'd be a great late late career. Uh, late, I guess, late rookie contract resurgence. So I'm sure they're hoping for some 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 sort of positivity. Tight end, Drew Sample, C.J. is almost coming back from injury. Who I like, um, and then you know just some names. An interesting name there, Thaddeus Moss, hanging on the depth chart. Where where do you think tight end goes? Is it a position of weakness? Is you know is that something they're going to look to upgrade in the future? What's what's uh, the outlook there?
1: I certainly think they could. I, I think that they've. Clearly targeted these young guys that they could potentially develop. Thaddeus Moss, they claimed him off of waivers from Washington. They signed Pro Wells out of TCU, an undrafted free agent. And then uh, Cheyenne O'Grady, they signed him as well out of the 2020 draft class. He was also an undrafted guy that... Uh, showed up, worked out for them during rookie minicamp and, and impressed them. So uh, three young developmental guys to go along with Mitchell Wilcox, who they signed last year, and he spent last year on the the practice squad out of USF. So the, those are the, like, the young developmental guys on the back end, and I think they are looking to see if they can find at least a special teams contributor out of those four guys. But the big two, so to speak, of C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample, or Drew Sample and C.J. Uzama, I think they're solid. I really like Uzama because – he, won. he caught Joe Burrow's first touchdown pass in the NFL against the Browns week two last year. And I thought he was going to have sort of a breakout year for him. He had a, a lot of chemistry with Burrow during uh, training camp, had a, a bunch of catches down the stretch in week one against the Chargers. And uh, and then week two has that big touchdown against the Browns and then unfortunately goes down with the torn Achilles. The good news for Uzama is he's 100% good. He's 100% cleared. He's doing everything at OTAs. And, and there isn't expected to be, you know, any kind of anything at camp. He should be ready to go uh, for training camp, which is great news because they they need him, honestly, because you, you got him in sample and then Mason Shrek. Those are the only other three tight ends. Most people listening to this probably doesn't don't even know who Mason Mason Shrek is. And Drew Sample is a second rounder out of Washington. But most people feel like he was a reach in the second round in that 2019 draft. And he was solid last year after dealing with some injuries his rookie season, but uh, certainly not a position, I would say, of of weakness. But, uh, you know, it's not going to pop out at you with Uzama and Sample, and you certainly need those two guys to stay healthy if you're going to do what I, I think the Bengals plan to do, which is kind of have the, the two tight ends interchangeable. I think both guys are capable of uh, catching passes, certainly capable blockers, and, and they're versatile in that way. But outside of that, it's a lot of unproven guys from – before I mentioned, Wilcox, O'Grady, Moss, and Wells, and, and then also Mason Shrek.
0: Well, let's uh, let's talk wide receiver. Uh, it, you've <laughs> seen him in, in OTAs. I mean, we obviously know how good Tyler Boyd is. I was impressed with how T. Higgins came along. This would this would probably be the deepest position on the team, right? How's How's Jamar Chase looking in OTAs in and, and the start of this offseason?
1: Oh, he's looking good. He, he is. He's big, and not big as in tall. Big as in his calves are as big as my head. And uh, that, that's different than most of these receivers, uh, you, you know, even the, the high-end receivers. So uh, I certainly think the the stuff that he does well should translate. I think he's going to be tough to tackle just looking at him from a distance. I haven't been able to sit down and talk with him one-on-one or anything because of COVID protocol. But we've talked to him on the Zoom, and he's extremely confident, strong hands, um, good burst, all of the things that you'd expect. But there is going to be a little bit of rust because he didn't play last year. He was one of the opt-outs. So I think that could be an issue. But overall, I think Chase has played, uh, you know, in done, not played, done on it, everything that you could ask of him. The coaching staff has raved about him on and off the record. And look, I, I, I want to take it back to when the uh, the Browns, when I was covering them a little bit in Cleveland, even though I was usually on the Indians and Cavs beat for the fan. And uh, look, I don't remember anyone being down when the Browns traded for Odell Beckham Jr., right? Everyone was excited about it. And I know that hasn't worked out exactly like the Browns had hoped for the moment that happened. But that's what the Bengals are trying to do here is, you know, Tyler Boyd is, in my mind, a better Jarvis Landry. People are going to crush me about that, but that's just how I feel. T. Higgins is, is better than the other Higgins up there. Again, people might go after me there, but that's how I feel. But the Bengals felt like they needed to go get that playmaker downfield and so instead of trading a first and, you know, multiple picks for an established guy, they were picking at a spot where they could go get him and Jamar Chase and have him on a rookie deal. So that's kind of their mindset if I had to like tie it back uh, to that. And, and so I, I don't have any problem with the Jamar Chase pick at the time. I certainly don't now because I see the vision and uh, and we'll see, you know, if it, if it pans out or not. But I, I understand why they went after Chase. And then after that, Sort of some question marks. I think Odden Tate's probably a lock to make the roster is maybe the fourth or fifth guy. Mike Thomas is certainly a a favorite of this coaching staff and Zach Taylor. So those are probably your first five. And then you got a bunch of guys battling for that sixth spot. Trent Taylor, uh, who's probably the most established of these guys and is the most established of these guys. Uh, Can he stay healthy and kind of replace Alex Erickson? We'll see. Uh, Certainly looked impressive early in his career with the 49ers. And then a bunch of undrafted free agents over the past few years that are going to be battling for a roster spot. So the top of the Bengals wide receiver room is certainly uh, good, uh, even though Chase is unproven at this stage. But uh, there are some question marks and roster battles on the back end, which I think is good because you got some young guys that are, are going to be battling and fighting in training camp.
0: Well, Joe Mixon, um, high expectations. Uh, a, a young, you know, still a young back, relatively speaking. Dual threat guys had. I don't know. Just kind of assess his season last year, and then looking at the running back yeah. group collectively, who's taken over for Giovanni Bernard as sort of that secondary guy?
1: Yeah, let's start. With, yeah, let's start with Mixon. It was disappointing last year in the six games he played, and, and obviously, uh, at the end of the twenty nineteen season is when he came on. It took him about eight games to get going, and then he put up really big numbers the final eight weeks, and didn't have that opportunity last year. But he didn't look great in the first six weeks of the season prior to that injury. And, and even if you want to say five weeks, whatever the case is. And I think the Bengals knew and part of the reason why they released Giovanni Bernard is, look, they're paying Joe Mixon for a reason. They have to get more out of him. And I think he has the talent. And that's the thing is he's got the size. He's got the, the you know, the speed, the hands, all of the things that come along with being a three down back. And that's what they're paying him to be. So there's pressure on him to not only come back from the injury, and he is 100 percent and practicing, But to be that star back when they drafted him in the second round, when he was really a first-round talent, and they took a chance on him then, and then he delivered by performing well and and being good off the field and and really becoming uh, one of the faces of the team, certainly of the offense, and and now he's got to take the next step. And can he do that? Can he launch himself into that conversation with the elite running backs in the NFL? Because the Bengals feel like he has the the talent. But when you look at his numbers, they don't look like Nick Chubbs. When you look at his numbers, they don't look like Christian McCaffrey before last year's injury-riddled season or Alvin Kamara. And that doesn't mean that he needs 2,000 yards from scrimmage. But I think Joe Mixon is talented enough to put up 1,300 yards on the ground or 1,200 yards on the ground and have another four or 500 yards receiving and, and a double-digit touchdowns overall. And if that happens, and it certainly should help that they do have a, a revamped and older – more experienced offensive line to a degree uh, they brought in frank pollock not only as the offensive line coach but a run game coordinator and he has a great relationship with joe mixon from his his days in cincinnati back in 2018 when mixon led the afc in rushing yards so there's certainly a lot of reasons to buy into mixon having a breakout season it just it's time to do it it's time to prove it and, and we'll see if he can do that Behind him, Samaj P. Ryan. I think you're going to see a lot more of him. He had a really impressive end to the 2020 season, and they re-signed him this offseason. So I'd expect him to be the backup there. And then after that, it's kind of uh, up for grabs. Travion Williams, Chris Evans, a a rookie out of Michigan State, or Michigan, excuse me, sixth rounder. I like Evans a lot. He looks the part. I think he could push Williams for that third running back job. And then you got Jock Patrick and Puka Williams as well. Um, both undrafted uh, free agents uh, from last year and and then well Patrick was and then Puka Williams this year so we'll see how that maybe that fifth spot you know the practice squad essentially plays out I wouldn't be shocked if Puka Williams wins that but I could see Chris Evans kind of stealing Trevion Williams roster spot in training camp because I think Evans just has the size uh, certainly the receiving ability uh, to do that and if he shows pretty decent in pass protection. I'm not sure he's going to take over for Giovanni Bernard this season. Um, certainly not week one, but uh, he could be the long term replacement and kind of be this pass catching, pass blocking back that uh, can give Mixon some rest here and there.
0: Yeah, I mean Joe Mixon coming back and being who he is is it's vital. It's really vital. Obviously with Joe, we'll talk about Joe Burrow now. I mean he's he seems to be moving okay. You know, seems mm-hmm. to be as well as you can be on air. So kind of assess as quickly and concisely as you can how you thought his rookie season went in the games that he played, and then the outlook for him coming back off of such a serious injury. What do you kind of expect from him this year?
1: Expectations are high, and that might not be fair coming off of an injury and coming off of a season where he was the reason to watch the Bengals. I mean, honestly, let's look at it. Bad offensive line, aging receiver in A.J. Green that didn't gel with the coach, bad head coach, and that's what he is based on his record. Bad defense. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of reasons to watch the Bengals last year. And yet Joe Burrow kept them in games. He kept them um, in the game week two against Cleveland and really gave them a shot multiple times, pulling them within one score on that Thursday night. And the Bengals defense just couldn't stop a nosebleed. And they certainly couldn't stop Kareem Hunt. And Nick Chubb when it mattered. And and then I'll just use the Browns game again, week seven. He did everything he could there, right? Throws uh, the game, the go ahead touchdown pass multiple times in the fourth quarter wasn't enough. And so I think that that's kind of a snapshot. Now, there were things that Joe Burrow needs to work on, certainly needs to get better at the deep ball. Uh, Didn't fare well against the better teams that he played, right? The Steelers uh, being one, the Ravens the other, but did beat the Titans. At home and, and, you know, and beat some teams like that where you're like, "Ooh, I mean, they were beating Washington when he got injured. Washington went on to go to the playoffs and uh, it really felt like the Bengals were going to win that game. They were in control for most of it. So we'll uh, we'll see. But from a, a talent standpoint, I think it's all there. And from a leadership standpoint, I think it's all there. He certainly commanded the, the respect of all of his guys in the locker room. Now, as far as the injury goes, you're right. He's moving really well. Uh, Based on what i've seen we've seen a couple of ota practices as we record this i'll see another one this week And he's got a big knee brace on absolutely I think he's testing out different braces trying to figure out which one uh, fits him and is going to work for him but I, I still think In his mind, even though he's been rehabbing his knee He plans on taking multiple steps forward in the second season and if the offensive line is better, if Zach Taylor just takes a, a slight step forward a, as a play caller, right? It doesn't need to be crazy great, but just a little bit better. Put it, put his quarterback in a better position uh, with a with revamped offensive line and a guy in Jamar Chase who I think is going to be an upgrade from what we saw from A.J. Green last year. I think Burrow's in a position now to, to succeed and not just succeed because he's dragging the team. It, you're not, not that they won't ask him to do that at times. But I think he's got enough weapons around him now and at least a, a, hopefully a competent offensive line where they can drop 30 and Burrow doesn't have his, his best game, where he he's going to be able to throw deep balls to, to open receivers because I think that was part of the issue last year as much as anything. When T. Higgins is your deep threat, that's kind of worrisome, and that's probably why they went out and got Jamar Chase as well to help complement that. So uh, I think Joe Burrow – Is going to take a step forward or two or he actually expects that from himself even though he's been rehabbing all season and and really how burrow plays in gels in this offense with the coaching and, and, and with these new weapons that's going to determine the season it's not the defense it's how this offense plays and can they go score 30 a week and if they can do that in could kind of make the argument that they should with this head coach that they hired to be this offensive genius and a number one pick at quarterback and a number one pick at receiver and a, a borderline pro bowler and Tyler Boyd and a, a young receiver and Higgins and mixing it all these weapons they should be really good on offense and so I, I think Burrow's capable of doing it and we'll see if he can uh coming off that injury it's easier said than done especially in this division
0: well the offense is scary I mean you know people will crack jokes about the line but if they're just a little bit better you know they can they can go toward you know, 20, 19, 18, something like that in terms mm-hmm. of efficiency, you got enough weapons to be really dangerous. So that part to me is like, if you're a team, you know, if your team is in the, you're obviously a Browns fans or whoever Ravens, Steelers fans, like the weapons are real and they're young. And, and if they can get some sort of better offensive line play, guys like Riley Reif, Quentin Spain help, you know, Trey Hopkins is coming back. You can, you can see where this thing can go for them. So like you know, you're talking about 30 a game, and while people might think that's inconceivable for them, I, I certainly don't, if it all comes together the way they hope it does. Maybe they have the right coach for that, calling the offense, maybe they don't, but it's not that far away, and if they hire the right guy, a la what Cleveland did, it becomes a really dangerous offense, because there's a there's there's weapons there that not many teams in the league have, so the defense probably steps back, I maybe, I don't know, I'm curious your opinion, the, the consensus is that you know, gone's Carlos Dunlap, gone's Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard now kind of your full-time guy. People kind of think they stepped back with Trey Hendrickson a little bit. We all know about Larry Ogunjobi. I love Larry, but he's got to fight to become a consistent NFL player. DJ Reader's a hell of a player. Kind of give Geno Atkins gone. Just defensive line-wise, what do you think they did? Did they make the right moves, or, or were they... Was Carl Lawson never coming back, and, and they just had to go get somebody else?
1: I, I think they tried to keep... I think their plan as free agency was unfolding was trying to get both add Trey Hendrickson while also keeping Carl Lawson. And they were just unable to do that. And they certainly weren't uh, willing uh, to move mountains to keep Carl Lawson, which is why they didn't franchise tag him. And that was surprising to me at the time, still a little surprising because you could assign Trey Hendrickson and in franchise tag, Carl Lawson and still really do all the moves you've done this off season. And now you got both at least for a year because I understand not giving an injury, A guy like Lawson with a bunch of injuries throughout his career, a long term, you know, big deal. That being said, I agree with you. I think Trey Hendrickson has a lot to prove from the jump, which usually these big time free agents don't. But four years, 60 million, he's coming in to hopefully not only replace Carl Lawson, but be better than what Carl Lawson was. Certainly more productive from a sack perspective, is what the Bengals are banking on. A better finisher. Right? There were times where Carl Lawson didn't finish, and I think the coaching staff and the organization believes that Hendrickson can be an upgrade there. There are people that will tell you that won't happen, or, or you know, if you look at some of the analytics and things, that's like, ah, he didn't get nearly as many pressures that he generated. Uh, it was because of, he was a product of a better defensive line. So we'll see there. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, I think he's going to move into that three-tech role again, uh, which I know they had to move around a little bit for the Browns last year, and the Bengals feel like he can occupy that. You mentioned Geno Atkins. I, I thought that maybe he could come back and him and Ogunjobi have a good relationship and kind of split time almost in that role, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen based on what I'm hearing. I think Atkins is going to end up signing elsewhere. Um, DJ Reader, can he recover from this quad tear essentially, that he suffered against the Ravens last year and be the same player that uh, we saw in Houston in 2019? If so... Then the defensive line should probably be a little bit better than last year, just because they were they were playing guys that they signed off the street at, at, by the you know week four, week five, week six last year, and it was just really tough for them to have any consistency. Sam Hubbard got hurt, DJ Reader got hurt, Geno Atkins got hurt, and the injuries just went on and on and on, and uh, you know Josh Tupo um, was hurt. So Ranelle Wren. Uh, you know, same thing. So it, it's, or, or no, I think Tupal opted out and, and then Wren got hurt or vice versa. Either way, neither one was on the field. So it, it was it was a uh, mismatch, uh, uh, you know, a, a defensive lineman of sorts. And I will say this, and maybe this is putting expectations too high on a rookie, but Joseph Osai, not that he's going to come in and give them everything Carl Lawson brought, but he's the, you know, the quick twitch, athletic, physical type edge rusher, and maybe he can give you some of that. And so if you have Trey Hendrickson on one side, Sam Hubbard on the other, and then a guy like Osai who can give you maybe half of what Lawson did from a pass rush standpoint and is also better against the run than Lawson, then I could see this defensive line being a little better. They also uh, added a, a guy in Tyler Shelvin in the fourth round who's just a mountain of a man and uh, I assume on running down, when they think the Browns are going to run it, they're going to put Reeder and Shelvin next to each other. I wouldn't be shocked if we see that specifically on the goal line and just have those two guys right in the middle um, trying to to clog things up a bit so you know the Browns don't run it on them nine straight times to seal the game. So uh, I think they've improved their depth on the defensive line. Time will tell if they're actually better. But I do think that they're a little deeper than they were uh, a year ago, given you know, the age and injuries that they had to deal with last year. And so uh, we'll see. I I don't think they're going to be a top half of the league defensive line by any stretch, but I I think they're probably a little bit better depth wise and time will tell if they've actually upgraded from what they had last season with Carl Lawson, who at least on paper is better than what they have in Trey Hendrickson.
0: It's fascinating. I know there's names up there. Like, I mean, we, we were all in on Cleveland picking Joseph Asai if they ended up going that route. Uh, we like him. We hated seeing him go to someone in this division. It's just so weird that it seems like so many guys that you know the Cleveland group of people who break down the draft like go in this division. It's so strange. Yeah, guys. I mean, well, this, this is the same thing with linebacker Keem Davis, uh, Keem Davis and then uh, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. We were we love Logan Wilson up here. I mean, you they need strides from those guys though, right? Still young, uh, but they have got to become the playmakers a lot of people envisioned, right?
1: Absolutely. There's uh, there's no doubt about it. That's why they didn't really go out and get any veterans. They're banking on these guys to take a step forward, Logan Wilson specifically, um, and, and Akeem Davis Gaither. Jermaine Pratt was disappointing in year two last year. I, I, I don't think it takes a, a rocket scientist to figure that out. I keep referring to the, the Cleveland game, but something that, that stands out to me, I think I might have talked to you about this. I know I've mentioned it before, but Andy Janovich, at one point, I think it was in the second half of that week two game, just ran up on, uh, in, and it was in the red zone, I think it was inside the 10-yard line, ran up on Jermaine Pratt. And Pratt didn't want any part of that physical confrontation as uh, it was either Hunt or Chubb, ran through the hole and into the end zone. And not, not that that was always the case, but there were times where it was obvious. And, and I, I remember that play specifically. So we'll see if Jermaine Pratt in year three could take a step forward. But I, I think the pressure is really on, and the expectations are on Wilson and Gaither because of their athleticism, because of, uh, one, Wilson. He showed plenty of flashes last year, and he is 24 years old. So now you really need to see the jump because even age isn't on his side. And even though he came from Wyoming, it looks like he mentally and physically should be ready to go uh, to take a big leap. So I think he's going to have a chance with Josh Bynes no longer on the roster, the veteran. And then Akeem Davis-Gaither, I get why you guys liked him. I mean, you're talking about a great athlete, Great dude, works extremely hard, and I think the jump from Appalachian State to Cincinnati and then also just learning the linebacker position because he's kind of that hybrid type guy in college, and now he had to learn that. I think that uh, took a little time. So if he can make a leap this year, 22 years old, great athlete, coach's son, which I do think matters some, and uh, could certainly help him keep a... um, not, not let his confidence get rocked too much and, and, and stay grounded as he develops and learns the NFL game. But those are the two guys. If I had to say, hey, these two guys, these two linebackers, the, the Bengals really need them to step up. And, and hopefully not only do they, but maybe they, they develop into the, the two starters um, by midseason. I think Wilson will start right away. And then, you know, Akeem Davis-Gaitha will probably battle Pratt, but I wouldn't be shocked if Pratt was at least the starter on day one. And, and then you got another guy in Marcus Bailey, And I know I'm rambling here a bit, but out of Purdue, who I think if he's healthy, would have went in the mid rounds in the 2020 draft. And he just suffered an ACL, a a second ACL, a senior year at Purdue, was able to suit up last year at times, was primarily a special teamer. And we'll see if he can take a couple steps forward as well, because he was certainly a capable cover linebacker at Purdue. And the Bengals could certainly use that in this division full of running backs that are capable of making big plays out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, he's very talented. He was a guy we talked about a lot, just as you said there. So many injuries that it was like, whew, I mean, you you kind of have to find that as a luxury pick. And I think he was on Cleveland's For radar, sure. but they landed with Jacob Phillips and and uh, didn't pull the trigger there. We'll we'll talk secondary. There's names. I mean, there's names I like. Uh, Mike Hilton. <laughs> we were very high on Cheetah Bayouzier. Kind of steps in. Is William Jackson's the only big departure? Um, they bring back Von Bell. Bring back Jesse Bates, who's one of the NFL's hidden superstars there. You're free, and then you know Darius Phillips kind of slated to start too. So Trey Wayne's is around. It's it's uh I think it's a deeper group. Would you agree? I don't know if it's as good, but it. I mean, let me put it this way. I'll ask you the question. Do you do you see them making steps now with more depth?
1: Yes, because you're not going to have a LaShawn Sims type player out there, you know, as your, your fifth corner. And I think that's why they went and got an Eli Apple, you know, a former first rounder that, yeah, he's not going to deliver on that anymore. Uh, because he, you know, he's a bust in New York and it just didn't go well. Um, in new Orleans, it was okay, but it didn't go well last year in Carolina. But as your fifth corner, you take that and who knows, maybe he battles Darius Phillips for that fourth spot. But overall I see the vision of what the Bengals are trying to do. Now the question is, will it work? but a, a trio of corners uh, with Trey Waynes, Chidobe Awuzie, and then, excuse me, Mike Hilton. You got three physical guys that uh, certainly like to tackle. Awuzie can make some big plays. Uh, Waynes is, you know, like I said, physical, fast, and and Hilton is a, a great blitzer. And we talked about the Bengals' defensive line. I do think one thing defensive coordinator Lou Anaruma has to do a better job of is finding a way to apply pressure, regardless of the defensive line and hilton could certainly help that if he can have him blitz from the slot a bit more the bengals they haven't done that much and, and so that's something that i think they need to adjust and do and that's probably why they went out and got a guy like mike hilton so uh certainly uh, i think that the the big three they might not be as great in, in coverage uh certainly william jackson the third i think was a really good man-to-man corner and at times he got beat last year because he wasn't put in, in the greatest position but now you have guys that, at least Luana Rumo feels like, fit his defense and his scheme better. So we'll see if that works out. But as far as depth goes, I, I agree with you. I mean, Ricardo Allen's a guy I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, I certainly think he could come in and, and give you some time in the nickel if you need him to, but certainly going to play backup safety as well uh, alongside Jesse Bates, who you're right, superstar. I mean, he's the best player on the Bengals' defense. And I, I, I mean, it's Joe Burrow on offense— and it's Jesse Bates on defense, and Jesse Bates is younger than Joe Burrow, and he's eligible for a contract extension. He's already been in the league three years. I think the Bengals are going to give it to him uh, in or around. He has an the argument trade, for the
0: best yeah. defender in the in the division. I think he's that good. I, I mean, true. I truly, I, tru- oh. I you know what I'm saying. Like I think, yeah, I think he has every bit of an argument to be one of the best if not the best defender overall in this division. Browns are lucky to get a guy like him and John Johnson. Not totally like him, not natural free, but a guy who can do some things back there pretty similar. Because I'm getting sick of watching all these safeties between Minka and Jesse and, you know, the bevy of defensive backs that the Ravens have, have floated in and out. I'm so sick of watching that. So we're hoping that the, the Browns can push for a player like Jesse Bates, who I'm a big fan. And I was a big fan of him coming out of Wake Forest. Really liked his game. And, of course, ended up in Cincinnati. Uh, last thing is, is – is Austin Seibert gonna kick or are they gonna they're gonna they going to they can not draft a kicker and not 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 keep him, right?
1: No, I, I don't think Austin Seibert has a chance. I think he's <laughs> auditioning for thirty-one other teams. But if he kicks well, the precedent has been set. Marvin Lewis drafted Jake Elliott a few years ago. And, and not just Marvin Lewis, obviously the Bengals in the fifth round, and Elliott didn't have as good of a preseason in training camp as Randy Bullock and Bullock made the roster and Bengals fans still haven't forgiven the Bengals for that. They still don't understand it, even though Jake Elliott's been a little inconsistent in Philly, but certainly uh, kicked well and obviously won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. But no, I, I think Evan McPherson's going to get it done. And who knows, maybe Austin Seibert reunion time in Cleveland. What do you think,
0: Jake Burns? Hey, listen, I'm just all, kidding. <laughs> I, 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 the, the, the thing is open. I think the Browns have have uh had had pretty good luck with him last year you know um with with the replacement but but I don't know man I, they, they're they're gonna revolving door and I was talking about Jamie Gillen earlier um about how he had a pretty bad year last year and they they could potentially look at other options if he doesn't punt well in, in preseason so yeah yeah it's it's a revolving door. and it should it should be you know you until guys prove to you that they can year after year after year um Make make consistent stuff. happen. The, the thing about Cody Parkey they like is that he's good inside of fifty, and they don't want to, They don't kick field goals outside of fifty. They just go for it, unless you're in barring you're in like a fourth and eighteen or something stupid. But like they don't put that stress on. So if he can, if Parkey can keep being accurate inside of fifty, that was Austin Seibert's issue. He couldn't. He couldn't remain accurate. He kicked over fifty pretty well, but he couldn't. You couldn't make extra point. He just was – I don't know, man. It's a lot of pressure for kickers when they get drafted. It just turns into that. It, it, yep. it, it turns into uh, these guys draft me, have to kick well, have to kick well. And it's like you already have enough pressure, man, and you're putting all this extra pressure on yourself. And it's such a – it's like golf. It's really like golf in that sense where it's it's such a, mental, such a mental thing. So, all right, listen, last thing we'll do is I need your prediction. What do you think the Bengals go this year? And kind of – well, before you give me your record prediction – Uh, and and listen nobody will no no Bengals fans are listening to this podcast it won't come back nothing 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 will resurface so you keep yourself as comfortable (laughs) here as you as you can be um just what are your expectations what would be like what would be a successful season for the Bengals this year
1: Joe Burrow plays 17 games the offense averages 30 plus and they beat some really good teams and they play some, I mean, Aaron Rodgers coming to Paul Brown Stadium, assuming he's part of the Packers, uh, Pat Mahomes, obviously Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. I mean, they, they have a lot of good teams on that schedule, but they need to be competitive and not just competitive. They need to win more games. It's just, it's that simple, right? I mean, let's go back to Hugh Jackson going into year three and without all the drama one in 31, guess what? He had to win. He was going to keep his job. He had to win. And that's what this team needs to do. I don't care about the division. I frankly, I don't give a damn because you you just, you can't keep making that excuse. They have to start winning games. So to me, like seven and 10 is, I think would bring Zach Taylor back for another year. But for me, man, I need eight, you know, I, I need you to, to get the most out of burrow and Mixon and maximize these guys. And hopefully Jesse Bates holds on because the one knock. On him last year, if I had a knock, he dropped a couple pick sixes where he could have had an even bigger season. Uh, but hopefully, Bates and a couple of these guys have some some turnovers and, and force more because they only had they didn't force many turnovers at all last year. Struggled to to sack the quarterback, so maybe that's it. Maybe they're uh, an opportunity based type defense where yeah they give up a lot of yards and, and points at times, but they force some turnovers and just this offense kind of carries them. And that's that's really what should happen given what they've done. Over the past few years to improve this offense, whether it's the quarterback or the the head coach, which again was hired because of his offensive prowess, etc. Uh, so if I had to give a, a prediction, it would be in that range right now because I, I just I think they would have won, Jake. They were 4-11-1 last year. If Burrow doesn't go down, they beat Washington. Like I said, I think they do that. So there's five wins. I think they probably would have beat the Giants. I believe that was the week after. So there's six wins And, uh, you know, maybe they find a a seventh down the stretch there, but they, they, I, I think we'd feel a little different if they were six, nine and one instead of four, 11 and one. Uh, so I think seven and 10, eight and nine, that has to be like kind of the minimum. And so that's where I'll say, and I get it because a lot of people are probably rolling in their eyes right now, but if that doesn't happen, why hasn't it? Because they're kind of in year three of this rebuild. They have their quarterback, they have the weapons They've spent a ton of money on defense and free agency. So if it doesn't, then I think you you look at the coach and you go from there and and I get it. It's still not uh, a roster that is as good as the Browns who might have one of the the best roster, not might, they have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Certainly I think have the best talent in the AFC North. It's not as good as the Ravens yet. Probably not even as um, good, at least starting wise as the Steelers, but it's close there. Right. And so I, I think, Eight, nine, seven and ten in either third in the fourth or fourth, depending on what the Steelers do in the division is uh is the expectation. But I think it's a really good division. And so if you go seven and ten in your fourth in the AFC North, I, I don't think that's uh you know, something you, you should hold your head down about because it's uh it, it has a chance to be the second best division outside of the NFC West, I think that's realistic. So if I had to give it to you, seven and ten, eight and nine, I don't think Bengals fans are going to get mad, and if anything, I think a lot of Browns fans are probably laughing at me for no. sipping the Kool Aid. But never forget, Browns fans, Freddie Kitchens won six games. I think Zach Taylor can do a little <laughs> bit better, hopefully, in year three.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, it's. I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't think that's off base at all. I think that if the 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 idea here is, and you're spot on about. Games they would have won last year with better quarterback play down the stretch. This the, you, you ignore that you're kind of just ignoring logic. It's it's it was quite obvious. So uh, you can definitely justify going two, four, eight. You know, doubling it every year, and then you start to look at the year after that when Joe and Jamar is not a rookie anymore, and and all of that, and then then you start to really push. But you're 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 right too that this is this is a good division, and it's it's always always tough for the Browns and Bengals to 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 climb over baltimore and pittsburgh and people talk about pittsburgh falling off and i'll we'll talk about pittsburgh later this week on this podcast but to me it's like until i see pittsburgh actually fall off i don't believe it when they do i'll believe it but until i i have to see it happen because i've just lived a life where they never do it they never they never fall off a cliff they the last time they fell off they they drafted ben roethlisberger and then when they picked 10th and it's like you just don't see Pittsburgh picking inside the top fifteen. You don't see them pick inside the top ten. So people are predicting this big fall off. It could happen, but I got to see it. And then it's like I think the big, but I do think there's an outcome here where the Bengals overtake Pittsburgh and climb out of the basement and 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 really get things uh, on the right path. And then they can keep building the offensive line with with uh, you know with with picks they have coming up and continue to add to their defense. And I I just think they're on the right path. I'm, I'm not. I'm not here to say they win ten, eleven games, but I'm I'm also here to say that that uh, I think they're on the right path. And that probably does equal seven, eight, nine wins. And I and I, I'm I'm down the road fearful of them because I think they're doing some really good things. So um James, this was great, buddy. I appreciate you taking some time for me and, and for, for listeners of this pod.
1: Absolutely, Jake. I appreciate you and yeah, I agree with you on Pittsburgh. And so I see it because there's a lot of people already just kind of celebrating the funeral, and I'm like, man. They still won eleven straight last year. Like yeah. it's going to be tough to just bury them. And Mike Tomlin's never went under five hundred. So I, I agree with you there. And uh, no, Jake. Anytime. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the Battle of Ohio. By the way, two fun games last year. Hopefully that continues because I would like nothing more in my life. Browns Bengals has never mattered. It mattered in the eighties. I want it to matter again. Yeah. And I think there's a chance it could it could be a big time rivalry now with Burrow Baker in these two offenses hopefully turning in the right direction.
0: Hell yeah, man. That'd be a lot of fun. A lot of fun because I'm also tired of watching these other two teams dominate the division. So, yes. that would that would be uh that'd be a great outcome for both uh both franchises. Thanks again, James. Yep, thanks, Jake. All right, that's a wrap for our coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals. Hopefully, we don't have to dive too deep into those guys again as uh as I hope that they're a couple years away from serious contention. So, uh you know, huge thanks to James for taking forty minutes there to talk about the Bengals with us and hopefully you were enlightened on a little bit more of what the Bengals were doing or have done, their expectations, any of those things you were not aware of going into this year. It's always good to know your division, players in those uh and those places and some of the expectations. And always nice to be updated on some of those draft guys you really like too. So you know guys like Logan Wilson, so on and so forth. So uh, we'll see if the Bengals present the Browns the real challenge this year. They they uh, gave them two good games last year, but as far as serious contenders go, I'm not quite sure the Bengals are there. We'll see. They got a lot of talent. It's just about putting it together, and uh, you know chance for Zach Taylor to figure out if if uh, if he has what it takes to be an elite NFL coach because he's going to need to be to compete in this division. So that's a wrap for today. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the OBR Film Breakdown. Five stars is always a lovely thing to do for us, and a nice written review is always appreciated as well, because then other Browns fans, read your reviews, come in and listen to this podcast as well. A reminder, we're not doing these on YouTube anymore for a while. Still going to have the uh, film content, Chalk Talk Baker Mayfield breakdowns, all that will still be on YouTube, but we're gonna take the nightly YouTube element of this off. So if you are not subscribed, you should be because then you can get this automatic download and be in your uh, you know, in your podcast forum every morning so you have something to listen to fresh on the Browns. We'll keep up our weekend content as well. Appreciate you guys listening. And as usual, until we chat next time, go browns.